You are listening to a podcast of Risen Savior Lutheran Church in Chula Vista, California. Growing in faith, living in hope, serving in love, all to the glory of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Christian friends, as I mentioned to you before, the sermon is based upon that first reading of the scripture from 1 Kings, the story of the dream of Solomon, where God promises, I'll give you anything you want. Friends, I would suspect that you might not know the name Louis Zapparini. He was born in Los Angeles. He enlisted in the Second World War. That gives you an idea of his age. In fact, it was the Air Force, and I'll take you to the year of 1943. We're in the middle of the war in the Pacific, and Louis Zapparini is in the Air Force on a B-24 Liberator bomber on a bombing mission when they're shot down by a Japanese plane and crashes into the Pacific. Eight of the 11 aboard are killed on impact. Three survive. Phil, Louis, and Mac. They're in two rubber rafts floating on the Pacific without shelter, without food, and without water. But they have every confidence in their country that the U.S. is out looking for them. However, they didn't know that the government already knew that the plane had gone down and the Air Force made the decision that everybody is dead. We won't look for them. So the three of them began their long journey of floating on the Pacific. They stayed alive because they drank rainwater that fell into their rafts. They caught fish that swam next to the raft that they could capture and ate it raw. But their body weight crashed and they lost an immense amount of weight and they were sick. The sun beat on them in the daytime and their skin burned. They had no way of protecting themselves. And at night, they were freezing. It was May and it was cold in this area yet. It was a terrible ordeal and the men prayed every day that they would be found. Once in a while, A Japanese fighter plane would spot them and swoop down and try to machine gun them, but they never succeeded. The worst ordeal they had was the sharks. Every once in a while, the sharks discovered them and surrounded their two rafts. They had to beat them off with their fists that they wouldn't bite holes into the raft. In fact, there were a couple of times when a shark actually tried to propel itself out of the water onto their raft, but they escaped that. Once a large Japanese warship passed in the distance but never spotted them. The hours turned into days, the days into weeks. And after more than a month, when they were just hanging on, beginning to already suffer delirium, Mac died. 
And so they once more turned to prayer and gave him a Christian burial at sea and rolled him over the side. Now there were two. On the 47th day, a Japanese warship spotted them and took them as prisoners of war. And for the next two years, they really had an ordeal. Just a little review of that piece of history for you. One-third of all American prisoners taken by Japan died from disease and malnutrition. The average body weight of a captive was 60 pounds that he lost. They were skin and bones when the war ended. And the ordeal for Louis was terrible. But he kept praying and God kept him alive. And then a bomb was dropped on a city and annihilated it and the war came to an end. And Louis was one of the prisoners of war that returned home to Los Angeles. But he was a physical wreck and mentally worse. He had what we call today DPSD. And he had nightmares, he woke up sweating, he would scream during the night. He was a physical and mental wreck, wasn't he? So the solution is simple, alcohol. But after months, it only made everything worse. Finally, his sweet, dear wife put her foot down and would tolerate it no more. She literally took a hold of him and forced him to come with her to her church to meet and talk to her pastor. And then began a counseling session that lasted many, many months, where the pastor tried to get across to him the simple message of the Bible that God has forgiven you, he has saved you, He's answered your prayer. Don't you realize that? How many times didn't you pray for rescue? And you're alive today because God answered your prayer. He put you through an ordeal, but God answered. In fact, as you sit here, you're a miracle that you're alive. God has forgiven you. All the hatred that you have stored up against the Japanese. And gradually, like dripping water, the Holy Spirit began to work on his conscience and mind, and he began to observe after many months that literally the nightmares weren't as bad nor as frequent. He noticed that his life was gradually changing, and he did give up the bottle. He didn't need it anymore. And suddenly one day, as we would use our today's terminology as PTSD, pretty much had disappeared. And he was convinced now that God had forgiven him and Christ was the Savior. And that if God had forgiven him, he needed to forgive those who had done this to him. So it's five years after the end of the war, 1950, with a suitcase full of Japanese Bibles, Louis went back to Japan for the single purpose of looking up some of those former soldiers who had mistreated him in his camps as a prisoner of war. With a simple message, read this book. 
and shared with them what forgiveness was and that he could honestly look them in the face and say, I forgive you for what you did to me. But the story of Louis doesn't end there. After he came home again, he had to find a purpose in life. And through circumstances, God led him to start a boys' camp in the Los Angeles area. For teens, usually high school age and young adults, who are on a self-destructive path of life. And in the camp where he kept them 24 hours a day, he began to teach them the lesson that he had learned by simply telling his story of what he had gone through and what he had learned and how he could forgive the evil that had happened to him and that they needed to do the same thing and get over this problem that they were creating in their self-destructive attitude. And it worked. And this led him then to a second career, that of being a motivational speaker. And do you know that he charged as little as possible to cover his costs so that he could be invited into the high schools of the metropolitan area and talk to the students face to face in an auditorium and tell them his story and that what it meant to have God answer prayer and to be literally a miracle standing in front of them that God had spared him and that they could learn and apply this to their own lives. Louis kept this up until his middle 90s. Last month in July, Louis Zapparini died in Los Angeles at the age of 97. It's a motivational story, isn't it? And what does it tell us? Your prayer has been answered. I'd like to share that message with you today on the basis of this wonderful text in 1 Kings chapter 3. Your prayer has been answered. Let's set the background. I can tell you that the year is about 970 B.C., before Christ. King David has died, and his son Solomon takes over the throne, the reigning of Israel. Jerusalem was where David built his palace. David, you remember, had conquered that city and turned it into the capital. But there was no temple built yet. That, you remember, would become Solomon's work. So the religious headquarters was in Gibeon, just five miles away, just north of the city. There, the tabernacle, the tent church of Israel stood. There was the altar of sacrifice. And that's the background of where this takes place at Gibeon. Solomon comes to Gibeon and invites all the leaders of the nation to join him at Gibeon, thousands of people, and he puts on a massive feast and sacrifice of worship for the nation to thank God well, why? He tells you, if I may reread the words, 
At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God asked, Ask whatever you want me to give you. And so in the celebration as the new king, he has this amazing dream. God says to him, what would you like me to give you? That's kind of amazing, isn't it? And he answers, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. And so he's openly confessing the fact, God, you have been a true blessing to this nation, to our people, to my father, to our family. He counts first his blessings. Did you learn that in your life? He counts first the blessings that God gave him. Do you think you might be a little bit jealous of Solomon in the sense is that God has never appeared to you and say, what would you like me to give you? <laughs> you haven't had that experience, have you? Or have you? That was a worthwhile subject that I researched, and I'd like to share it with you. It's amazing. I took the principal passages of the Bible where God makes a promise to you in writing for you to read at any time from the Psalms. He will call upon me, God says, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. From Isaiah, two of them. Then you will call, the Lord will answer, you will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. Again, before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. That's a promise of God. From the prophet Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And from Zechariah, they will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, these are my people, and they will say, the Lord is our God. Those are promises of the Old Testament to you that God says, I will answer you and give you. Listen now to the words of Jesus from the Gospels. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Got that? From Luke, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. From John, I will do whatever you ask in my name, Jesus says, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Whatever you ask. Again, Jesus said, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Wow. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. You hear that? One more. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. You know what? God didn't appear in a dream. He put it in writing to you again and again so that you wouldn't miss it. He says, you pray to me and I will hear you and answer you. So the story that I shared with you in the beginning, you know, has a truth for you, too. God, you have blessed me. And you and I can actually say, I am a miracle because God brought me to believe. And I'll show you why.
What did Solomon pray for? That's my next point that I want to emphasize to you. Pray for wisdom. Listen to how Solomon responds now. O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count a number. So give your servant a discerning heart, discerning heart, to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Solomon, in all honesty, says, I have a job now that I really don't know how to carry out. I need your help. I have duty, responsibility. You need to show me what that is. And to accomplish that, I need a discerning heart, which is wisdom. God, give me wisdom to do this right. Have you ever prayed for wisdom? I would imagine, especially as the years go by, you run into all kinds of naughty problems and you wish, boy, what should I say or do? Wisdom. God, give me wisdom. So, in order to have enough sense to pray for wisdom, you probably need to have a pretty good humility quotient in your life. Do you know that? Is your humility high? Or is it very low, meaning you're full of pride? We have a lot of self-confidence taught in America, a lot of independent attitude, I understand that, and that's necessary at times, but we need a whole lot of Christian humility in our life too. But if you're honest with yourself, there are times when your selfishness and sinful pride creep in and well, that's when you need to remember that Christ died for your selfishness, didn't he? At the cross, Jesus died for your pridefulness and your stubbornness, didn't he? God, give me wisdom to be humble before you. That's what we need to pray. Do you remember the James verse in chapter 1? Allow me to reread it to you. It is marvelous. If any of you lacks wisdom, does that apply to you? If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. God invites you to pray for wisdom as Solomon did, a discerning heart. You are blessed people. Do you recognize that in your life? That God has brought you to faith, that you're here this morning in an act of worship, conscious worship of God for what he has done for you. 
But I'd like to share a few statistics with you. Those of you who are in the Navy, Marine Corps, or served in the armed forces in your life, you'll understand what I'm saying. Do you know if you took the population of the world and said it was 100 people, how many of those people are Christian, even nominally? About 30. Do you realize that still today about 70 out of that 100 worship a, a false god? That's troubling. Do you know that in the world, 80 out of that 100 live in substandard housing? That means they don't have electricity and plumbing and running water and all the rest. <laughs> Would you want to trade places with those 80? But you don't. Do you know that 50 of the 100 are struggling day by day just to eat? to have shelter, and that many of them are illiterate. That's not you. Do you know that you would equal six out of the hundred? America's population is about six out of the hundred. And do you know that that six, those six, control half of the world's wealth? Did you know that? Did you know the fact is that one-third of all the millionaires and billionaires of the world that have accumulated wealth live in the United States? Do you realize that the economy of the United States is so powerful that almost everybody in the world is willing to invest in American production, stocks, companies, and the like? We are the most invested in country in the world. And you just happen to be a U.S. citizen, an American. You're blessed. And you have done nothing to deserve it, honestly. It's just been by the circumstances of your birth that ancestors came here. That's why we need wisdom in dealing with all of life's problems and even those things that have to do with politics. Lord, give me wisdom. So how does the story end? You remember that, don't you? The Lord was pleased with Solomon. He said, since you have asked for this and not for long life, you haven't asked for wealth, you haven't asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice. That was his duties that we talked of before. He had duties to perform. I will do what you've asked. I will, I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. I'm going to give you wisdom. That's your gracious God. And he gives that same promise to you. And that's a treasure. Do you realize what a treasure you have? You know what's going wrong in America these days? Sure you do. It's a lack of this kind of conviction toward God. As American religion, Christianity, becomes so moderate and indifferent 
people lack wisdom. Since in the whole scheme of public education, there is really no open acknowledgement of God. Do you understand why the problems in America keep growing and getting worse? And maybe it's irreversible. I don't know. But you do have a treasure. And the point that I'm making to you is that treasure needs to be shared. You have been so blessed. You have a pastor coming again. It wasn't a very long vacancy. Pastor Schultz, we hope, will be here by the end of September. Hmm? But he will not be the only minister here. You will be, too. Because you have a treasure to share. The thing that changed the life of Louis Zapparini, that which caused you to be able to say about yourself, I'm a miracle, because God has brought me to believe in Jesus as my Savior. I know what forgiveness means. And I forgive as I have been forgiven. I have a treasure in knowing that I have a Savior God to whom I can speak in prayer, who has told me, if you just ask, I will answer you. And if you lack wisdom, pray for it, and I will give it to you. You have a treasure, and that treasure needs to be shared. You have neighbors, schoolmates. You have family members. You have people you work with. You have a whole population of people who do not have this treasure that you have, and it needs to be shared. Tell them of the love of God, what forgiveness is, that Christ died for them, that they're forgiven already. Even though they don't know it, they're forgiven. And God will bless you. You see, your prayer has been answered. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Risen Savior podcast. For more information about our church, check us out online at risensavior.us.